0: But uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and praise you. And God, we just come before you this morning. I give you my mouth. I give you my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears. Father, I will listen intently to you because it, because it is your voice that we want to hear. That's all we want to hear. You have been speaking to me all morning. (laughs) Father, I'm really not exactly sure how to assimilate a lot of it. But I pray that you speak through me what you want. Give us a paradigm, Father, that you want us to have. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout the week, he has given me a single word that I've just been dwelling on. And the progression of that word has been interesting. It's gone a different direction than I thought. Because that word is hope. Pretty common, right? Pretty common Christmas theme, right? That we have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope in our relationship with Him. We have hope in the promises that He's given us. So I fully thought that that was kind of the direction that we would go this morning. I started looking up verses on hope and and what it meant to have hope this morning. And as I'm worshiping, He started showing me something different, and it actually had to do with a dream that I had last night. (sighs) I do not normally dream what I would call bad dreams. Okay, Now, maybe I do, I just don't remember them, um, because Alexis says oftentimes I am fighting in my sleep. But I don't remember those. This one I remembered very clearly. And it wasn't, the entire thing wasn't a bad dream. And what I mean by bad is I, I, scary, I guess. Um, that's the best way to describe it, I suppose. Um, let me tell you the dream, and then we'll get into it a little bit. Because what I thought it meant is not what it meant. So I was doing one of my favorite things in the world, which is off-roading. I love being in a four-wheel drive, off-roading somewhere, and there happened to be one of my favorite things on the ground, which is a ton of snow. (laughs) And I mean a ton. There was probably two, two two-and-a-half feet of snow, and I was driving this insane Jeep. And it was like, if, if, if any of you... You you can kind of see it in the background on my on my iPad. This this Jeep that could literally go just about anywhere. Um except maybe underwater, I suppose, but uh, it can go anywhere. And and here I am driving and I'm in kind of in the hills, but then I was also on streets um in a development and I pull into this one development and and there was another guy with me who wasn't in my vehicle. he was in his own vehicle i don 't know who the guy was, um, but we were friends, and we were kind of off roading in the snow together just all over the place and, and I, I can't I think he had a truck, but i can't remember what it was but we were having a blast and 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 I come down this uh and, and maybe we'll use this as my journal because I, I haven't journaled it or anything this morning. But, but we're coming down this hill, and, and there's the entrance to this development, and, and we come to a stop. And I, it, it, we didn't talk about it except that we kind of decided we're not going to go in there. I can't even tell you why. I had no feelings about it. But just that, yeah, that's not the best idea to go in there. And so I was still pointed down. He went around me, turned around, and started going back. And I just thought, Nah, I'm going. And I just hit the accelerator. Never saw him again in the dream. I'm coming down this hill, and and then I I go to the bottom, and I make a left, and I'm I'm just in again this insane snow, having a blast, and people are out, and and of course nobody can get around but me, <laughs> because they're all digging their cars out, and 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 I'm just having fun, and I stop and talk to uh, this lady, uh, not about anything special, but just you know about the snow, whatever. And I keep going. I get to basically what is this dead end, and I make a left. And then all of a sudden, two things happen. One, there's no more snow. I'm not in my vehicle anymore. I'm walking. And my friend's walking with me. Or another person is walking with me. I don't even know if it was the same person. I have no idea. But another person was walking with me. And we're walking down this road, and we weren't talking. I wasn't talking to him or anything else. Um, So thinking about it now, you know, uh, he he may have been a live person, may have been an angel. I don't know. But we're walking down. (laughs) He was an angel. That makes sense. He was an angel. So we're walking down. And we come to where, you, you ever see in movies where you're walking and everything goes from this beautiful light, airy, gorgeous, and then it just starts to fade and everything turns dark. Right? Now, not dark like, like the sun went down or anything like that, but the feeling became dark. Okay? And, and, and we got down to the end And I looked around, and there were dying and dead animals everywhere. And I just remember seeing dogs on the side, you know, super skinny, and just not dead yet, but laying there lifeless. And there were not just one or two, but there were dozens and dozens all over the place. And I saw people... Kind of in the same state, except they they weren't laying there. They were just kind of sitting there and standing there. And immediately, I can't remember. I had this feeling, oh, this is not a good place to be. I should not be here. Um, Not that this was a mistake. I never felt that. But... I became aware of what was around me. And the the one who was with me said, I'll go get help and took off. And for some reason I knew if I were to run that they would come after me, those people. Now the weird thing is I had a gun which is strange in my mind because, I mean, I never used it or anything. Um, In fact, when these people came up to me, somehow I didn't have the gun anymore. They had it. And I kept thinking, well, I just need to make sure that they don't aim it at me. (laughs) But then the gun kind of faded out. But, But these people started to come up to me, and then I realized what they were, and they were zombies. Although they didn't look like the, you know, you see the TV zombie where it's like all whacked out in the face and, you know, skin dripping off and all that junk. They were normal. They were normal. But I knew they were zombies. They had no thoughts of their own. They came up to me and were nice, but I knew their intent was not nice. Does that make sense? And the whole time I'm starting to walk and they're kind of walking with me I'm walking back to that place of safety and they're kind of walking with me just kind of grabbing at my arm and and oh you know and I'm I'm just kind of talking brushing them off talking to make them aware I guess that I'm I'm not going after them you know it, 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 you ever Can't give that example. Um, you ever come to a point where you know where a line is? You know when you cross that line, you are committed to what's about to happen. Right? And and I'm thinking in terms of a fight. Right? You come to that line, you cross that line, and you better just be prepared because that's what's happening. That's the feeling I had. I knew the line was if I were to be aggressive in any way, that it was over. I mean, they were all going to come after me, and the the sheer numbers were, were just more than I could handle by myself, clearly. So I kept walking towards safety and kept being nice to them in my tone, while trying to brush them off. And, and as I got closer to safety, more and more would come. And more would try to grab a hold of me. Right? And it got to where it was intense. <clears throat> like I, I knew I am not getting to safety. I'm not getting out of here. Alright? This is going to happen. Whatever I do, this is going to happen. And I remember it was like I was watching a movie because it was a movie of myself. But then all of a sudden, the movie switches. And I see a phone call between my friend, who was there with me before, and somebody else whom I didn't know. But he was clearly in some sort of office Looked like, looked like a CIA. You ever see those movies where where it's uh, like the the work pit in CIA where it's got all the big screens and all the computer screens down below, almost like NASA. You ever see those? You know what I'm talking about? He's on the phone. He is, of course, dressed out in full camo fatigues, and he's he's like, you know, super super army guy, right? He's got the buzz cut. He looks like literally the Hulk. You know, I, I mean, I mean, a good—I'll tell you—he looked like. Anybody see the movie? Um, uh, what is that, Did Yvonne? You call him the Cat People. Avatar. Avatar. Anybody seen Avatar? Yes. Okay, you know the, you know the, the. I think I think it was the general, right? In Avatar. Yeah, the bad guy. I mean, this guy wasn't a bad guy, but that's what he looked like. He looked like not this insanely huge guy, but he looked like a guy that you just don't want to mess with, right? And he's on the phone with, you know, he gets this phone call. Then he makes another phone call. I don't know who he was talking to. But whoever he was talking to was saying, no, don't go help him. Do not go help him. It's not worth one. Do you understand? It's not worth the sacrifice for the one. And I remember I'm watching this almost like you watch a movie. This guy got enraged. And clearly he was in charge of this whole you know, operation, whatever it was. And he got enraged. He hung up the phone. He picks up his weapon. And he goes... He calls his guys just, let's go. And they just mow down everything in that room. All the computer screens, all the monitors, everything in that room that was organized for what they were doing, they destroyed it knowing good and well that by the decision they were making, they were committed and they could never go back. Then it comes back to me and I wake up. That was the dream. And you could ask Alexis, I woke up and I I told her about it and I'm like, what in the world was that? What is that? That, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Makes no sense. You know, especially the fact that that I'm this person in this place of need, and yet I see it almost like a movie. I, I couldn't understand that. And so um, I went downstairs this morning and, and just started worshiping. And the first song that comes up is a song I've been listening to for the past four or five days. It's Rescue by Lauren Daigle. If you've not heard that song, you need to listen to it and it says i will rescue you when it is the darkest of night. Right? don't worry, i will be there to rescue you and i thought okay, it's a, it's a, you're you're telling me that you're going to rescue us. And i thought, oh, okay, that's what it's about. It's about rescue. And and then i'm i'm thinking Where do I need to be rescued from? And it didn't sit well with me until worship this morning. You see, when he explained the whole thing to me, except the angel, that was cool. And he just told me that that was an angel. See, the person who got into trouble wasn't me, it was an ignition. The person who got into trouble and needed the help was the bride. Ignition was the one who went and destroyed the office. Ignition was the one who said, yes, the one is worth it. See, it's worth going after the one. But let me tell you the paradigm that he needs us to get if you see yourself as that person, if you see yourself as that one, if you see yourself as that victim, then you have the wrong paradigm. And God is not going to move this church until we get it. See, it's not about what we go through. Guys, we have sacrificed long and hard enough to recognize the battlefield and to recognize the scars and to recognize the pain and to recognize the hope that He gives through all of that. But there's a world out there that doesn't. There's a bride that doesn't. They don't understand. They don't know because they don't know the power of God. We have seen the power of God in our own lives. Have we seen His miracles? No, we're waiting on His promises. We're waiting on Carson to be healed. We're waiting on these things that are to come about. We're waiting. But have we seen His power? Yes, anyone in here who has built relationship with him has seen his power because the power is in in his very voice. The power is in the love when he speaks to us. We've got to get the fact that the bride does not have that. Many of you just came from Christmas, where you spent time with people that don't have a clue of what that means. See, the tragedy isn't that they don't get it. The tragedy is that we don't understand that we're called to fight it. We're called to get rid of all the planned things that are acceptable by this society. Just like all those monitors and equipment that was mowed down. The way that things were done for so long. We keep saying, no, it's God that's going to do it. It's God that's going to do it. And we just sit here and say, it's God that's going to do it. And we keep fighting these tiny little battles that we've already won. Give me another vision. This was yesterday. I was talking with Brooke and Alexa and Ibon. I think we were in the truck. I can't remember on the way back. At this picture of a of a bomb run. If you know anything about bombs, if you know anything, uh, if you've ever studied anything about World War II, you understand a little bit about bomb raids, right? You understand the devastation of what a bomber can do, right? They devastate. Nowadays, bombers are different. Nowadays, you have smart bombs. Right, you have pinpoint accuracy in your bombs, and yet it's still the same thing. But in World War II, they would do these bombing raids, and they would they would get to a point where they they line up and they're in this pathway, they're in this corridor, which is miles long, by the way. You know, it's not like they just swoop from up high, swoop down, drop their bombs, and go. See, they they had to. Be low enough to get the accuracy on their bombs so they are not hitting the school right next to the factory. Does that make sense? That's why oftentimes bomb runs were pulled out because there was cloud cover. Or they couldn't see where they were bombing. Now when they come into this bomb path, when they are in that pathway on that bomb run, what happens? they receive something called flak. It's all the anti-aircraft weaponry shooting up at them that, again, isn't pinpoint accurate, but it's all this shrapnel shot up in the air to try to bring them down. Do you know these bombers that go into these bomb runs, they know they're going to hit it. Ten seconds from flak. You know we're we're almost to the flak, or now we're getting it. And you, of course, they know they're getting it because it's hitting all over the aircraft. It's exploding, and and what flak is? It it, it shoots a, a projectile up to a certain height in the air and then explodes, and just explodes shrapnel. If you've ever seen movies of World War Two, you know what I'm talking about. If you worry about the flak you're never going to be able to go after the enemy. Never. See, flack is something that can bring you down, but for the most part does not. If you come into this and you're worried about what is hitting you all the time, you can't see forward enough to recognize that you are there to rescue somebody else. You know, anybody who's flown has heard this. When, when you get into an emergency situation and the masks drop, put, put it on yourself before you go to help somebody else, right? Why do you think that is? You put it on yourself because then you're prepared and able to help somebody else. What do you think God has been doing for the last five years? He has been preparing this team. He has been putting that oxygen mask on this team so then we can help others. Because, believe me, this world is in a crisis. This country is in a crisis. And we believe God has called us to that crisis, right? I mean... If you don't believe that, do me a favor and just let me know. Because that part I thought we were way beyond. If you're here just to feel better about your own relationship with God, you're walking into a danger zone and you don't know it. Now, I don't believe anybody here is like that. I don't. Because, see, that whole idea of Gideon and whittling down from originally 30,000 to 10,000 to 300. I remember preaching on that, oh, years ago. It might have been in the first first or second year. I can't even remember thinking, that's what God did now. And, and we're here and God, okay, Gideon's 300's ready. Boy, was I wrong. It had just started. It had just started. The first phase had just started. But we are there now. We are there now. Everything that he has taken you through, and everybody in here is going through something difficult or has gone through something difficult. And if you aren't, well, just give it a moment. Because you will. But at, one, at what point do we begin to understand that we're not here for ourselves, we're here for the bride? Now, I believe God is doing this in the remnant, what we call this remnant, all over the world. I do believe we're the tip of the spirit, because he's told us we're the tip of the spirit. But you know what? A tip is the tip of something. There is a spear. <laughs> there is the rest of the spearhead. There is the rest of the, the spear pole. There is a full spear that God will use to go after the enemy. But you have to take your spot. And it begins with the paradigm of understanding that you are here for others. We're here to fight for others. He said every gift that I give you. He said this in First Corinthians 12. Every gift that I give you is not for you. It's for the church. And we've learned that. In some cases, we've learned that the hard way. So in that, there's a responsibility. There's a responsibility not only to let God use our gifts for the church. For this church. For Ignition Church right here. Which... We're all good with, and we kind of kind of work that through and whatever. but how about the gifts that he has birthed in this church are for the bride? That's a much bigger deal. Why? <laughs> because the bride isn't going to necessarily accept you. The bride isn't even going to believe you. The bride may say they love you, but they don't understand what love is. Not real love. They can't. Because when you deny the very voice of God, you put yourself in a place that the Jews did 2,000 years ago. You put yourself in a place of a veil being put over your eyes and your ears. And that's not this church. So we step into this new year, certainly with hope. We always have hope. But we need to step into this new year with a paradigm that no matter what, no matter what the cost, no matter what the loss, we go after that one whose life is in the balance. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what he does. He said, he said. Who will not forsake the 99 to go after the one? It's not about numbers. If we never experience numbers. In the existence of who we are. It doesn't matter. <laughs> By the way I, I say that. But. I mean, just wait. I mean, if we didn't experience numbers, then God would be a liar because of what He has promised us. So as we move into this new year, understand your role. Ignition in Nigeria, understand your role. You're not there to absorb. You're not there just to be pounded on. And put up with it. You're not there for that. You may have to endure that. There's no way around that. But that's not what you're there for. See, the rescue is not for you. You've been rescued. God wants you to be His hands and feet to rescue the very people that you have been called there to rescue. And it's the same for all of us. Every single one of us has contact with people that desperately need to be rescued. Rescued from the very paradigms that destroy their lives. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is an interesting book, man. Very, very difficult book in some ways. We're going to start at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the way, let let me me catch you up where the writer of Hebrews was speaking right now. And, And again, it's chapter 10, verse 19 of Hebrews. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The veil tore, right? Where did the veil tear? It tore between the Holy of Holies, right? And it tore from the top down. What was that veil for? That veil was to hide the presence of the Father in the holiest place. Hide it from the priest. Except for that once a year when he could go in there but certainly hide it from the quote-unquote normal people, right? That's what the veil was used for. So, So he said, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, through that veil. Right? Jesus opened that veil. And he did it. It says, that is through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, so understand just in the first part of that what it's saying. That Jesus in His death, He tore that veil down from the top to bottom to say, now through me, I am a bridge. Through me, you can have access to the Father. You wonder why people can look on the Father now? It's because they see Him through Jesus. They see Him through the filter of relationship with Jesus. Because He he became the very bridge between us and the Father. Between us as sin and the Father as pure holiness and perfection of the law. Verse 22, let us draw near. Near what? Let us draw near the Father. Let us draw near that place where there was a veil and there is no longer. Let us draw near with a true heart. Full assurance of faith. Absolute full of faith. With a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What it's saying here is you still, because Jesus is your bridge, you cannot build the relationship with the Father living still in your own sin. This is what the bride doesn't get because the bride wants to live life on her terms. And she can't. She can't. Because we're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about that golden ticket to heaven. And that's all Satan has been able to get the bride to think about. But see, with relationship with him, and we've talked about this many times, but with relationship with him, you can't step toward him without allowing him to show you the impure. And what comes between you and Him? Because see, even though that veil was ripped down and the access is there, we put up our own veils, right? If I stand in sin, I throw up a veil between me and the Father, and I have to be—I be, have to come to the place where I recognize that and say, "Jesus, forgive me." Jesus comes, rips that veil down. And allows me to move closer to the Father because of what Jesus did and continues to do. He is our advocate. So with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our what? Our hope. Without wavering. Boy, how tough is it not to waver? How tough is it to wait years for promises? Things that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, He has said, He has confirmed, He has said time and time and time again. And yet it hasn't happened yet. He understands that. Because, see, there is a perfect time for everything. If you have this mosaic of dominoes, if you have one out of place, it doesn't do the whole thing. You can imagine that His timing is perfect. So when you are standing in faith, you are standing in the confession of our hope without wavering of those promises. For He who promised is faithful. Verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm going to let you in on a little hint. The day is drawing near. Pay attention. Pay attention to the times we're together. It's important. Why? Because we fight for each other. We fight with each other. You know what was the scariest thing of walking down to the end of that street? And by the way, it was scary. I just kept thinking, okay, just whatever I do, don't let them bite you. Right? But it was scary. Because they were kind of being sneaky to try and get close to me, and I I just kept thinking I can't let him close to me. But what was scary about that was the fact that I knew I was alone. I felt alone. I didn't feel like there was an army coming to save me think he let me feel that because that's what the bride feels except for those that are so burnt in their spirit they can't feel anything I think the rest feel hopeless I think the rest just feel like God just come because that's the only answer but you know what it's not I mean, I grew up listening to these preachers preach that it's gonna get so bad and then Jesus will finally come in victory and power. What happened to the victory and power he promises now? That's what he wants. He wants his bride to have victory and power. If you don't believe me, let's go to Revelation 3-9 again. <laughs> For the thousandth time. And every other verse that talks about living in victory, living in power, living in authority. What part of those words mean shrinking? What part of those words mean fear? What part of those words mean I'll just hang on until you finally take me and I get my mansion? It's a paradigm that needs to change. The bride's paradigm needs to change, like ours has. But where our paradigm has to change is not just in praying that they get it, but it is going after the enemy that would suppress it. Right? What does it say here? Again, verse 23, going back, let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering. And then I want to go on. I I want to go down to... Because God God begins to talk about... uh, You know what, let's just read through it. Whatever. Verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin as there was in the law. See, you sin, you go, you place the sacrifice on the altar, and that's good till next year, right? Jesus came, paid it once for all. So he says, if you go sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But a fearful expectation of judgment. A fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Okay, there's a lot of people that get hung up here. This is not talking about salvation. This is not talking about your ticket to heaven. When you get that, you receive that. It is yours. It is not sealed by you. It is sealed, sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit until you receive it. I don't know about you, but last I checked, nothing could stop the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, you're sealed by Him. So this is not talking about salvation. That fury of fire that will consume who? Consume you? No, consume the adversaries. But you're playing with that same fire. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much more? punishment, how much more judgment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified this is talking about saved people that word sanctified to be made holy when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts we are made holy that's different than the process of sanctification where you build that relationship with God but we are made holy and this outrages the spirit of grace for we know him who said vengeance is mine I will repay and again the Lord will judge his people it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God just this portion here, and I, I, I don't want to get derailed here and go down, down, because that, that is, that is a whole topic in and of itself. It's not about feeling condemnation. It's about recognizing truth. It's about recognizing the things that hurt you. Right? How often do we eat things that hurt us and we don't pay attention to them? That's a great example. That's an easy example. Because we all do it. Right? Anybody who likes Mountain Dew, like Josh. And me. Right? And Allie. Yeah, there you go, Allie. Well, Allie can't get it there, so or at least it's not the same. But so I, I don't want to go down that road, but understand that the judgment that is being talked about is not a loss of your salvation. It is a loss, however, of relationship because relationship is something that's built together with, with God and it's built through a, a purity of allowing Jesus to pull down the veils that we put up. Does that make sense to everybody with me on that? That's not the point of this. But recall verse 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you were You endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plunder of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, and an abiding one, one that lasts. This is the verse I wanted to get to, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. See, this just shows how important your attitude is. This just shows how important your paradigms are. Why? Because it says, don't throw away your confidence. How do you build confidence in Christ? It's only done one way. That's through relationship with him that's the only way how do you build confidence it's by building relationship listening to his voice receiving his voice knowing that his voice is him and believing it walking in the very things that he commands you to walk in that gives confidence how do you think elijah had confidence walking into the, the whole setup with the 450 prophets of Baal. And by the way, it wasn't just them. There were like 900 prophets of Ashereth. And just, just him. Just little old him. How do you think he had the confidence walking into that fight? And by the way, why do you think he walked into that fight? Do you think it was because he just likes to fight? Now, if that was the case, he wouldn't have hidden in a cave after Jezebel threatened him. He went there because of his love for Israel, his love for God, his jealousy for God over an Israel who did not worship him anymore. Did not worship God, not Elijah. Right? He was jealous for God. Where is the bride's jealousy for God? Where is our jealousy? Shouldn't it bother us when we see these things that go on that slap God in the face? I'm sorry, but it bothers me. People that say they're a Christian and yet they tout the very opposite of who Christ is. I'm telling you right now, if you are a Christian or say you are a Christian and you are for any who are for abortion, you are confused. You're confused. You're lied to and you believe the lie. I'm not saying you're not saved. Because salvation is so simple. There are people that say, that, that get saved and, and then are lied to and believe those lies the rest of their lives. But where is that remnant that will stand up and, and literally call a lie a lie? At whatever cost. It didn't matter the cost. Why do you think God has brought us to a place where, where we had nothing to lose? I mean, what do we have to lose? Can't lose a building. Right? We have nothing to lose. He's brought us there. Why? Because He wants us to have confidence to speak out the very things He tells us to speak out. And to call a lie a lie. To call out the things that need to be called out with authority. See, Elijah was just one guy. But how'd it turn out? He was one guy with the most powerful friend you could have God, the Father. And in his confidence, he stepped forward and he challenged the very belief system of Israel, God's chosen people, Israel at that time. And he said, no more. No more. One of the most powerful stories in the Word of God. One of the most powerful truths in the Word of God. So the writer here says, don't throw away that confidence. Don't throw away that confidence. Why? Because you need endurance. You need to endure through it. Have the confidence because there's going to come a point where God says, gather the prophets of Baal. This is happening now. Gather them. Get them together. Call that war cry. Kind of like in that dream, if Somebody would have come to help that, that person that represented the bride and just went up and slapped one of the zombies in the face. Mm-hmm. Kind of draws the line in the sand. Yeah. See, there's going to be a time, and the time is here, where he says, do it now. Raise your voice. If you're not ready for that, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Why? Because you won't have the confidence to be there. Because I'm telling you, what he's going to have us do is not something for the weak. It is not something for the fearful. Get over your fear. Get over yourself. Recognize this is for the bride. This is for somebody other than you. Yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I love verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And everybody knows chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. This is what we operate in, guys. What is the assurance of something hoped for? It is the absolute factual proof that we know Carson is going to be healed. That we know these other things that God has promised us, we know them to be true. They are true there may, be, may, may not be any factual evidence in front of us right now, but we know it. We know it. it, it is, there is an assurance of that which we hope for, that, that which we have been promised. And then a conviction of things not seen. We haven't seen those things. But my conviction is that I will call the 450 prophets of Baal... And I will tell them to be at this spot as a challenge of my God versus theirs. See, Elijah had never done that before. He was just doing what God told him to do. And by the way, he was enjoying it. (laughs) It's okay for us to enjoy it. He was enjoying it. I don't know if it was maybe a little too much or not, (laughs) but he was enjoying it. Because he knew what was about to happen. He knew the vindication that God would have in that moment. Because it was the assurance of what he hoped for. Because God had told him. Those promises that God had told him. It was the assurance of that and the conviction that it was going to happen even though he had not seen it yet. That's where we need to be, guys. That's where we need to be coming into this new year, because I'm telling you what, dates have meaning. Time has meaning. Not like we think it has meaning, because time to us, we, we wrap everything around time. God is outside of time, but he uses moments that have meaning. And this isn't just coming from ignition. If you listen to all prophets that have been proven out today, they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. We're right there. It's it's not even that it's about to happen. It's that it's happening. It's already happening. Oh man, don't be caught with your faith and your confidence being drowned out by the enemy. You know, Alexis said something very interesting to me the other day, and it's what it was such a confirmation of things the Lord has been telling me. She said, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember specifically, but the the idea was that Things didn't affect her the same because of her confidence in what the Lord had done in her life. See, confidence is an important thing. You ever, you ever, have you ever been in a room where somebody walks into the room and they're just this supremely confident person? Everything's drawn to them. I mean, good or bad, confidence draws, Right? How much will confidence in God and our faith through our relationship with him, how much will that draw? That's like the pinnacle. That's like the top. Because it's not just our confidence drawing, it's him drawing. But that confidence he needs us to have. He needs us to believe because you cannot have Confidence without belief. If you have confidence, it's because you believe. So this paradigm that needs to change is that we're not here to save ourselves or each other. He's put this team together to destroy the monitors, go out and save the bride. Alexis, come on up.
1: want to say one thing as it pertains to confidence. um, Just to be sure you caught what he said. Confidence comes after you believe. You don't have confidence first, then you start believing. When I was in speech class in uh, college, even at the end of high school, um, you know, the number one fear in rankings of fear more higher than death is the fear of public speaking? It's an interesting thing, and I remember in speech class having to learn that the way to get over your fear of being up in front of the crowd or the group was to to do the speeches. You didn't. The teacher didn't wait till everybody had a warm and fuzzy moment. You know, are you ready to give your speech? Are you feeling confident? Sometimes we weren't. It was. This is due. It's time to do it. You got to get up and you got to practice. And right now, in Ignition, we are given practicing uh, opportunities all around us to exercise our confidence and our belief beyond getting through our day, beyond just the, the making it mentality. And if we don't step out and exercise and take those opportunities to believe God and take those steps of faith. And many, many do. They'll pray for that person. They'll, um, you know, there are different things the Lord has us do. But we don't go from a training place of a sitting and, you know, and in training in terms of absor- absorbing, filling up, jumping right into leadership. We've got to spill out. That's what builds your confidence. You spill out what fills up. And then it's the going through that makes you go back and look, wow, this is what God took me through. See, when, we, when he's talking about relationship, when we know him, relationship is an ongoing interaction of the going through with someone by your side, interacting with you, and the more you get to know them, 30 years of marriage, the more I get to know him, I can now count on how he's going to be for me, what it's going to be like based on all these experiences we've had in our relationship. So my confidence in a new experience coming is going to be based on the relationship built. Yeah. And so I I think that that's part of where we'll miss it. I think sometimes we sit and we kind of just have this consumer mentality, still thinking and with a heart that's open, like, Lord, speak to me, but never coming with this producer mentality, which is, I'm going to fill up, I'm going to take responsibility and build confidence and intimacy. I have the authority, that's the commissioning. But the intimacy is what builds the power in our lives, like he said. And then come and then pour out. Some of us right now, the Lord is speaking to, to us about giftings, about speaking up, about engaging, about stepping up. If we can't pass the test in a little tiny group to be involved if, if it's still if it's still just oh i just can't seem to be faithful and now this is what the lord is telling you to do i'm not giving you some litmus test in religion but i I'm, this is an example if it's like man i just can't i can't seem to get on that prayer call you know there's always this happening there's always that happening lord god i know i'm supposed to be but it's just been hard we've got to get it together the lord we either trust the lord and have confidence in the fact that if we sacrifice this block of time, he's going to redeem, restore, and renew. You know, like, those are opportunities to practice and step out and have confidence in him that if we pay the the price of faith and do these things that are hard to do, please do not think that it is easy. Now, once you get in a mode where you just do it, you don't think about it anymore. But if I'm in my flesh, my flesh is always warring against doing something for the Lord or engaging with the Lord. That call has been such a gift because it has drawn us into his presence. Yes. 8.30 is about the most inconvenient time on planet Earth <laughs> in your evening. You know, like, I get it. But it's like, when it comes right down to it, I'm either in this or I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm either going to be a prayer warrior, I'm either going to step up, and, and the intimidation of talking to people in the road and bumping into the lady coming out of the farmer's market last week, and, you know, my flesh still gets a little embarrassed, a little intimidated. But if the Lord says to pray and the Lord says to do these things, I have confidence in Him that He's going to help me. Because apart from Him, I can do nothing. But remember how that's worded. Apart from Him, I actually can slash will do nothing. Okay? And that means... Of course, not just do-goodism. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just operating in this place where what we carry at the tip of the spear is about to go out into the world. And so if you are... Don't, don't equate what Greg spoke on this morning as a confidence in a, in a warm and fuzzy emotional place where, yeah, okay, man, I feel good. You know, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to join Casey on the next prayer walk so I can handle this. No, you get confidence by, by going out first, yeah. by believing, mm-hmm. Lord, I believe you. I have no idea how I'm going to pay my bills, but I believe you. Talk to somebody like Wendy. Talk to somebody, you know, people that have gone through, I know in her particular case, because we've talked so much about it. She has more confidence than most people that I know because of her financial, the, the faithfulness of God in her finances. Why? Because she's gone through and gone through and gone through so many times where God's provided and I don't just mean where God's provided, where, but I'm saying where she was like, Lord, I don't know how I am going to take the next step. And she trusted him. She she did what she was supposed to do. She was in obedience, faithful to him, and then saw him provide. If, that, if, if those times aren't what builds more confidence in God. But see, if you never do, if you always hold back, yeah, but I'm not going to step. Well, I'm not going to give. Yeah, I'm not going to. I don't know. I don't know. Where do you build confidence from there? Are you waiting for a warm and fuzzy? Are you just waiting for a sudden? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, one day I know he's going to bless me, and maybe I'll be a millionaire, and then I'll be able to start giving. See that it just doesn't work that way. You know, maybe my schedule will be so great I'll just want to spend more time with them in the Word. You know, and then then I'll easily be able to get on the payroll. We have these weird things that Satan says to us that you know, the someday, someday when externally my life looks different, I'll I'll be able to serve God. That's. That's the, that's the paradigm that will break us. And by the way, that's the paradigm of 90% of the bride. Yeah. So practice. Take these opportunities. And I don't mean a practice striving. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying God's laying opportunities before us right now so that he can show off in our life. And by the way, he does things to show off. That means getting the glory. So he will tell us things that we cannot do. He will tell some of you to go to Nigeria one of the next trips. And you'll be the one that, well, God's not going to tell me to do that. I can't, he, I've got da, 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 da. He'll tell you, you better give X amount of money. And you'll be like, I, Lord, I can't, I can't give. All you need to know is, is it his voice? Right. Is it the right thing to do? <laughs> he will always tell you things that are going to be beyond your capacity so that he can show you who he is, uh, thus giving you confidence, but that he can also show off who he is mm-hmm. to you. I mean, it's, like, it's just going to be uh, to others as well as you. So this is, this is a really, really huge thing. And I'll tell you, this is where we, we have to, it's, it's a rubber meets the road thing. Many of you right now are just right there at the threshold of some of these tests in your life. And, um, and I you know, we, we have to trust him. We're in a faith-building place, um, and, and we just have to press through. So I'm going to pray. Father, thank you, God, so much for this word this morning, Lord. And Hebrews is deep, and it is difficult to swallow but god it's so rich with what you want us to know lord and father i know that you you're about to like what you like how some people teach children how to swim you're about to throw us in the water in the deep end and then show up and some of us may be a little freaked out by how much we'll be flailing around and we might even swallow some gulps of chlorine water and feel like oh no But God, if we trust you, Lord, that's the only way we're going to learn. And so God, I just thank you that you are there. You are faithful. And some of the flack that Greg mentioned, yes, it'll hit us. In this world, you said, we will have tribulation. I don't know what all that looks like. Our flesh hates that stuff. But God, you promised us all spiritual blessings so that Even though we have tribulation, we can be of good cheer. We can walk in the fruit of joy and cheer because we've already overcome. So, God, I pray that you give us a new lens, the mind of Christ, Christ in us, Christ in us. Lord, let us die. Let everything, as Shannon even prayed at the beginning of class this morning, let all the stuff not of you be crushed and dead. That's the refiner's fire. God, it's so hard. It's just so hard. Lord, you know how I I weep before you of these things that you're crushing in me. But God, what is made new is so worth the crushing. So thank you. Thank you, God. You are awesome. Let us be confident in belief first and then let you show us through experience. That we can be even more confident than we started out. Because you are faithful. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The announcement I want to give you. um